Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Happy New Year's, everyone, and welcome back to the Freight 360 podcast for episode 121. Ben, how you doing today, man? I'm doing wonderful. Enjoying our my holiday week. Yourself? It's been busy. It's been usually year end seems to be kind of quiet, but I don't know. I don't know why. It's like uh, it's been a strangely busy uh, year end for me. But uh, hey, looking forward to a new year here and uh, had a good Christmas and looking forward to celebrate New Year's this weekend. So um, yeah, good stuff, man. But hey, welcome back everyone to the Freight Three Hundred and Sixty podcast. If you're new and you just found us, we're glad you're joining us. Check out all the other episodes. we got 120 previous ones that are in there and plenty of stuff on YouTube. Leave that review and share us with your friends in the industry. Speaking of reviews, we did say we were going to be raffling off a free course um, based off of, you know, someone that left a great review. And we actually, um, we had someone that left two reviews and uh, Tanya, you're the winner. We're going to make sure we, we reach out to you and find you and uh, get you a coupon code for a free uh course uh, for freight broker basics so the whole point was we wanted to you know do it as like a celebration of our hundred thousand downloads and we forgot to factor in our our youtube downloads as well so we, we have actually we had 100k a while ago we're, we're over 130,000 downloads now so thanks to all of you guys for for joining us and consuming our content and giving us feedback there are some trolls out there that like to leave some strange youtube comments but we answer every single one of them um Somebody told, I think the one was like, uh, you don't describe enough in your videos. It's like, all right, well. I think I, I think one said that we talked too much. And I'm like, as opposed to what? Like, did you want <laughs> really know what else you wanted there? Like, how did, would you like us to deliver the information? And there's always going to be haters out there, man. That's part, that's part of the game, I guess. But uh, part of hey, the awesome, awesome year for us. Um, obviously, we start. This was a different year, right? Because twenty nine or twenty twenty was me and you doing mostly podcast, some blogs, and we sprinkled in a couple of YouTube videos. Well, you did towards the tail end of the year, and then this year we built out Freight Broker Basics by demand. We started our group coaching. We have a handful of folks doing some some individual one on one coaching, and we started doing a lot of partnerships with DAT and TIA for webinars and coaching series and things like that. And it's been really, really good. Um, We found that, you know, we're not we're not dictating where the direction in which our, um, you know, our content goes. We're listening to all of you guys out there and the feedback and the questions that we get. That's driving the train. And Ben, you and I are happy to to give our audience what they want. So. It's been a great year. It's been a blast. It's been a really good year. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed putting it together. Enjoyed doing the course. I mean, that's the great part about this. Like we get to do what we enjoy yeah. on a weekly basis. So, and I'll tell you the um, like the course content, right? The um, I personally have upgraded a lot of my equipment, so I think we're going to be um, refining some of that content. So, if you've got the course, um, you'll always have access as long as you you have it to any new content that goes out. Um, and you know, we're going to 
probably look at some more advanced stuff too for the folks that don't want the basics, but more specific sales training and, and prospecting focus. So stay tuned for 2022, man. We've got uh, endless possibilities, you know? So looking forward to it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, well, cool. Let's uh, let's do a little sports recap here. It's a good week for me and being a Buffalo Bills fan The the Bills got to go to Foxborough and, you know, really show New England and all the all the fans and, and the hate Bills haters out there that uh, the Bills are are the real deal. That fluke wind bowl that we had here in Orchard Park just a few weeks ago uh, was not a true matchup between Mac Jones and Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen was insane. Um, handful of touchdowns, was a leading rusher for the team. And all the meanwhile, we had like three or four people out on the COVID list. Um, and they're all coming back this weekend against uh, the Falcons. I think the, the opening spreads like 14 points in Buffalo's favor. So the B- Buffalo's got an easy wow. an easy streak to ride out the last two games against the Falcons and the Jets. As long as they don't make any mistakes, they own the AFC East. And um, I don't know, they're the, the Super Bowl and AFC championship mm-hmm. talks are back across the, the media masses. So go Bills, right? But uh, That's awesome, man. In the driver's seat, wrapping up the year. Yeah, Steelers. Um, not so I don't much. think you're officially eliminated yet. You've got hope, but uh, it's a long shot. So who knows? Yeah, pretty long shot. They did not fare very well. It was like 36 to 10. I mean, the whole first half was pretty atrocious. Yeah. But oh, yeah. It is what it is. But uh, anyway, that's uh, sports in a nutshell. Before you know it, we'll be talking about all kinds of other exciting sports as we get into the new year. And, you know, golf starts popping back up, baseball, you know, the spring training and all that in late February into March. And, It'll be good, man. I'm super excited to, you know, move on from football to the next stuff after the Bills win the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with like a little All article today on, from FreightWave. So, Ben, um, tell us what you found and let's, uh, let's peel back the layers on 2021. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. They were doing like the year in review on um, basically the top shipping stories over the year. And the first one, it was pretty interesting because some of these were just huge, but then the other things that were were even larger. And the one was the uh, the Ever Given, which oh, was the Suez, massive container ship Suez stuck Canal. in the Suez Canal for a week, right? That was that had to be way early on in the year, right? April, maybe. Yeah, March. Oh, March, March twenty oh, third. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, but hysterical, that. hysterical memes and videos. The uh, Austin Powers meme, I'm sure everyone saw, with the trying to turn around and the. <laughs> Turn the golf cart around in the alley or whatever yeah. it was. Yep. And then kind of followed up with the uh, L.A. Long Beach log jam, which were basically the entire backup, right? And this was interesting, too. I forgot about the timing of this. In January, they hit a record where 40 container ships were anchored off the coast. And then it eased a little bit, and everybody thought it was getting better. But as soon as the um, peak shipping season kicked in, it surpassed the peak. So the peak in February 1 were 40 ships anchored off California, and then it dropped. And then by late October, it was up to 80 container ships. By early December of this month, we were at 96. By the middle of this month, at 102 ships anchored off the coast of California. So far exceeding the record that was hit at 30 or 40, 30 in January of last year. A year later, they have more than tripled the amount of ships that are anchored off the coast of California. That's wild. And segued right into the stratospheric container rates of containers going from two to three to four thousand dollars to twelve to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars coming into Christmas this year. 
That's insane. So triple. Wow. Triple. Yep. And then you've got, you know, the government intervening, jumping in. They, what was it called? It was the Ocean Shipping Reform Act in August. Um, yep. To be honest, I think it has. I mean, at least the people that work there, a lot of the executives over at the ports, I had putting out a lot of, I guess, I don't know, speeches or information that it did ease it, I guess, some, but clearly not enough. We're at 102 when we were at 30 in the beginning of the year. And then just general overall COVID spikes through China, which is hurting the other side of the container because every one of these ships that are coming in need to get loaded on the other side. And we all forget that like this is a global pandemic and they were having as many issues as we were in this country in some places more. So it's not gotten better yet. And it looks like we've got some time before we're going to see the light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah. So the the quote that I just read in, in that the COVID portion, and we'll, we'll leave a link in the description, um, the show notes or description box on YouTube. But it says, unlike the U.S., China has a zero COVID policy, meaning it shuts down entire cities and ports after a very small number of cases. So, yeah, that uh, that's a big part of it, the, the other side of it. So you think about... We've got a, close to 100 ships right now that are moored off the, the coast. Think about all the ships that couldn't be loaded and haven't been sent mm-hmm. out yet because they're shut down. So, I mean, we saw it, right? We all, we all felt the toilet paper crisis in 2020 early on. And now we've, we've started to see the rising cost of a lot of things. Like even so, like for me, for example, um, when I traveled earlier in the year, the cost of a rental car was through the roof, right? And I, I rented a, usually when you get a rental car, they're like brand new or typically fairly new. Right. And they cycle them every year. I had a, I rented a car in, I think it was May in Florida and it was like 60,000 miles on it. Like that just goes to show. And I had to pay more, like triple the price of what, what I would have paid for a, like a brand new car to rent a couple of years ago. So we, we've all felt so it. Here's, here's a recent one. I took my son to go buy a car Sunday and, um, the used he got a um, Honda CRV 2019 with like 12,000 miles, so basically barely driven. It's a little more than a year old, right? It was blue booked for more than the MSRP of a brand new one. That's so insane. everyone knows that used cars also inflation. I think on average they're like 25 to 27 percent up on the values. They're exceeding like new vehicles in cost. So yep. I mean, like, and it's the, the interesting thing is like normally sub. Inflation isn't caused by the supply of goods, but we're seeing literally in the last article we're talking about, right? Like the supply of getting these goods is smaller and bottlenecked, so it's driving the costs up, right? The interesting thing is though, usually inflation is caused by too much economic activity. So what the Fed does is it increases interest rates, which slows that, which slows the growth, slows inflation. The problem is, when you have a supply side inflationary problem, raising interest rates doesn't change that yep. because you're still willing to pay more for the goods because there's less than them. So it really doesn't fix it. And that's really what I think everyone's kind of grappling with on the- That's So that's the interesting side. thing, like you just said, and I wanna break it down just for a quick second here is the, the standard market cycles, right? If if the economy, if there's slow inflation and the economy is, is not really booming, the government, what they can do is lower interest rates to 
entice Spur the economy. to make people yep. want to borrow money and spend so it. companies and people yep. can borrow money. People can borrow money against their homes. They can refinance it, take that cash out and put it into the economy. Right. Yep. That fires that wheel. Right. Yep. And then, but if it goes too far, right, then they want to yep. raise interest rates to try and bring it back down. But what they don't have control over is the supply side. And that's what we're seeing. Exactly. So. And if they inhibit the amount of money in, in the market, right, they increase interest rates and make it harder for people to get cash. The problem is people are still willing to pay more for goods because there's less of them and they have less money, which is going to possibly grind the economy to a halt, which is the other side of that fear. But yep. really interesting to see it play all the way through from where it started to where we are now. Oh, yeah. And I do believe in the first coming months of next year, we'll be doing uh, have some DAT folks joining us to talk the the industry and the market and all that stuff. Right. So. Yep. Good stuff. Cool. Well, give us a shout out to our friends over at DAT. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Power, Trucker's Edge, or Express. Absolutely. All right, so today's episode, we figured with year-end, and we've talked about this topic before, is let's take a look back at your, your book of business and... When should you be firing a customer? That's really the topic. And, you know, it's weird to say firing a customer, but the whole the whole concept here is how do you increase your efficiency as a broker, right? If you've, if you've built up your book, you've got some customers, um, you don't need to be working on garbage freight anymore because you can more effectively um, spend your time and more efficiently spend your time by focusing on the customers that have the better margins the quicker days to pay, the higher commissions for you, the less amount of headaches and things like that. Now, those are not the kind of customers that you typically deal with when you're first starting to build your book of business because you don't have the option to develop those relationships yet. You've got no trust established or rapport established with your customers. So this is something that you should be doing um, at least every year, but you could do it even in micro chunks too, like maybe every quarter or something like that. But um, give us, a, I guess, a little bit of a, a high-level overview on this concept and why it's so important. Well, I think everybody out there is trying to find more time, more efficiency, right, to get to more of the activities that are going to help them grow. Whether you are a brokerage that's been in business for a handful of years and there's just you and maybe a couple other people, or if you're at a larger brokerage, right, few and far between are the times where you're going to sit down and go, hey, is the money I'm making really worth the time I'm applying to it, right? Is the juice worth the squeeze? And especially in our industry, like all of these clients and customers and loads get kind of mixed together. You talk to your customers when they need you, they call you and you fall into these habits and these routines where we service them, we book the loads and we make some money. And then at the end of the week, we take a look at our revenue. We're like, oh, how well did we do? There's not much motivation or influence or reason to sit down and go, okay, which dollar was attributed to which and how much time am I spending, right? And I'm sure everybody has a general idea on how much money you're making from each customer because you look at your aging reports and things. But again, not very many people are sitting down and comparing that to the amount of time that it takes to really service that customer. And what I'd found doing this over the years is that like almost always, 
every time I do this, somebody finds that the person they have to spend the most amount of time with, the highest maintenance, tends to be the lowest profitable. And that's not just the amount of time, it just seems to be that like these higher maintenance customers tend to just create not only more issues and more needs to be on the phone and more emails and everything else, but also tend to not spend as much, they're not as trusting with their budget, and they just tend to not be as profitable either, right? So I wanna hop in, because I I wanna relate this to, like if you're growing, if you're a brokerage owner and you're growing your employees or your team members, right? This could be agents, this could be brokers that are managing their own books. The same concept applies, think about them as the customer, right? We all, we've all worked with that one coworker that will chew your ear off, just nonsense, right? And it's not productive and it takes away from your time and your day to be able to be more productive. So like with me, with agents, right? I've had agents that are extremely high producing and they take up very little amount of time. And the amount of time that we do talk is enjoyable. We can, you know, we can shoot the shit and talk about, you know, family and upcoming stuff and things like that. And uh, very little amount of time do we have to work through problems because they're very well seasoned and, and self-sufficient. And then there's the folks on the other side that they don't produce a whole lot. And then I spend a half an hour on the phone every single time I talk to them and it doesn't really accomplish a whole lot. Um, so if you're growing your, your team members, the same kind of principle applies there. Think about who are the folks that are you're trying to develop as a as a broker or as a, a sales rep or account manager in your office. Are they are they giving you the the juice, and is it worth the squeeze that you know you're spending working with that person? If they're not succeeding, you're spending a whole lot of time working with them. They may have a, a different role in your organization that's better fit for them, right? Or they may just not be a good fit for your company long term. And this is applies that's to absolutely. customers. It applies to everything, right? It's it's called Pareto's principle, right? Which is 80% of the outcomes or results are gonna come from 20% of the people or the inputs, right? So no matter how you look at it, you're, you're likely gonna make 80% of your revenue from 20% of your customers. You're likely, if you have an office of 25 people, likely 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your brokers. Um, yep. You're gonna see this mix, right? So the question is like, are we sitting down to evaluate one, what is the actual cost? What is the input for us? So if it's one person and they've got a couple agents underneath them or it's a small brokerage, two or three people, book a business, right? The big question they're asking is, how do I get to growth? Well, that is just, how do I get more time to get on the phone with people that aren't my customers yet to bring them on, right? We need to create that space in our life and our day, right? This is a great place to look at it because once you start digging into the customers and you figure out how much you're actually doing with them on the money side, the next thing you're going to do is do like a time awareness log. And all this really is, is throw a notebook on your desk, keep it there throughout the day and jot down what you're doing every hour. Or you can jot down the, the frequency of contacts to whoever, right? You can also look at your call logs and just look at how many phone calls you take from which customers, how many outbound calls, how many inbound. And you can also look at how many emails you're responding to from this customer on a daily basis, right? We need some metric of time and everybody's customers are different. Some are phone heavy. They're going to be calling you all day, wanting updates on something that might not have moved. We all know those customers. Or we could have the person that's emailing you. It doesn't really matter the activity. What matters is how much time are you spending and then take that time, or at the very least, subjectively, compare it to what you're making. Go, hey, if I'm spending five, six hours a week on this customer, which is almost a whole workday, 
and I'm only moving four loads a week and we're only making $800, after my commission, I'm getting what, 50, 75 bucks, $100 for almost an entire day's worth of work, right? This is where we're looking to go. We're trying to take this just opinion and drill down into having some actual information that we can compare it to. So I'm going to give you an example of a conversation I had about an hour ago and how it applies to this exact concept. So I was talking to a guy and his biggest thought that he had, he's like, he's like, man, you know, I, I hate to, I hate to turn down freight. And he's like, but because I've been spending so much time on a lot of these uh, customers that require a lot of my time lately, I haven't been able to prospect as much. And he's like the his his big solution for it was um, delegating those, those accounts, right? So if you decide to, to take a lot of time up, um, but you still want to keep them, that's a good time to hire somebody and delegate those time needy customers to a new rep, right? It's really good ex experience for them to get in the rhythm yep. of making these phone calls, dealing with the little issues that pop up, learning the personalities on the other end of the phone line. And then in return, it gives you more time to focus on what you're good at, which is prospecting the, the big whales that are out there, right? And I think that's, you have to kind of make a determination when you see some of these customers that are not the, the best for you is decide, can I delegate this to somebody else by hiring or growing in some other way? Or is it, should I just get rid of them altogether, right? And just move on, stop moving their freight, stop quoting on it and put that time into prospecting the better business. So, and I think that's a yeah. great point. It's, it's really, cause there are two ways to go to do go about this. Like if you are in an organization where you have the support or the people around you to give these clients away, customers, that's what I would do, right? When I worked at a larger brokerage, I'm giving them to the newer people coming in because they're great They're great instances to learn. They're great for them to train on. It gets them exposure. There's not as much nerves because you're kind of introducing them to the customers. A whole lot of benefit can come from these. But what we're really looking for is like, it's just inefficient for you, who the person they're giving them, right? They don't have to go out the door, but they should be getting off of your plate to somebody else that can value them or utilize them, yep. right? Absolutely. The next piece we want to really get into is like, once you're taking a look at this is try to see who's at the bottom. And here's the next piece. Once you figure out who that is, you don't have to call them and say, hey, I'm not willing to work with you anymore. Like, that's not really what we're suggesting. What we're suggesting is that one, you identify where your time is valuable, where it's getting you a good return and where it isn't and where it isn't. You look for ways to mitigate that or minimize it. And one great strategy to reduce their reliance on you is to just increase your price. Um, make it worth your time. Make it a number that when you look at this at the end of the week and you're like, hey, if I'm spending, like in the example, six hours a week on this customer and I'm only making $1,000 at the end of this week, right? Figure out what that number would need to be to make it, your, make it worth your while. And yep. you can probably find it on some of your better customers. Like, okay, how much time am I spending with them and what am I making? Somewhere closer to that number is where you want to go. And there's some number you're going to charge that'll be too much and some that might make it worth your while. But the other thing you're going to do is you're going to disincentivize them to want to use you as much, which is going to mean less phone calls, less updates. And that time should be going to the growth activities, whether yep. it's lead generation, finding the other customers that have better return on your investment of time. So I want to add in here too, as, a, as an alternative to price increases is to how can you maintain the same price and the same amount of business, but lower the amount of time that you have to spend with them. And there are plenty of ways to 
improve your efficiency with a customer and it's a lot of times it's just procedural changes okay so this could be if you identify those specific tasks that are taking up your time like you one of the ones you mentioned ben is a customer that calls all the time asking for updates find out is there an alternative way to give them the updates that they want that's not going to require you to be on the phone 10 times a day can there be some sort of tracking put in place or is there some sort of um, report you can send them twice a day or whatever the case might be. Try to think creatively here, right? This is our job as logisticians is to be uh, to be in search of efficiency, right? That's what we that's what our job is. And it's not always just trying to find less, you know, or have less empty miles or a more reliable carrier. It could be how do we improve our, uh, you know, our procedures that we operate with with each other, with how we communicate, reports that we're sending, wanting updates. Um, I had a guy that had an issue with chassis numbers and container numbers in the past, and we were. it comes down to having a conversation internally with your team and then also with your customer and figuring out how can we accomplish this task and not do it the manual way that we're doing it right now. It could be a mm-hmm. software that you want to implement. It could be just be a, um, hey, once a week we're going to have a, just have a quick call and go over any um, items that are kind of up in the air right now that we're trying to figure out. But you've got to think creatively here. There's no one size fits all answer. And here's another great question to ask. If you're at this turning point where you realize this is somebody that maybe not that profitable, but you're not really sure and you're trying to gauge this, ask yourself this question like, could you scale this customer? If you had 10 more just like it, would you have a book of business? Or would you have an insane job that is underpaid that doesn't get you anything you need out of life, right? Where you're just throwing time and energy and getting almost no money back, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy to lose track of them because they're mixed in with usually more profitable customers, right? So just look at them individually and go, okay, if I had 10 of these, could I scale this, right? Even if I had unlimited resources and could hire people, like would it make sense? Or would you just be basically hiring seven or eight people to manage a few hundred dollars a week in loads? Yep, 100%. Couldn't agree with you more on that. So many things in there, though. What, like macro point um, or just one thing that's going to help eliminate check calls? There are a lot of things you can find and resources and tools that will mitigate some of these time wasters. But Here's here's something that I saw. Um, Tim from Ascend TMS was talking about this. I think it was last week or the week before. They have a new free tracking tool as part of the the Ascend, like their, their paid-for version and it's included and it's like unlimited. And it's it's basically mm-hmm. the same concept as macro point where you can send a, a text out to the driver and set it up just the same way that like a macro point or a trucker tools or whatever GPS tool that's out there. And it's free and it's included. And you know, yes, there's hesitancy from a lot of cares to wanna to be tracked and all that. Um, but I think if I read what he was posting correctly, you can configure it to where that driver's not being hounded like this, the typical, macro point updates are um paying a driver so yeah check that out and obviously they're an affiliate of ours so uh or we're an affiliate of theirs i guess is what it is so if you go to the the affiliates section in the show notes or on our website um you can get a free month of ascend um by using our our promo code or our referral code that's in there so um the free tms right that's what i uh i dig about ascend they got that free version and they got the the paid for same with rose rocket yep so and I mean, um, yeah. What else some you other got? Things, well, some other things you could do. I mean, is you could genuinely just go at this, right? Like talk to your customer. If there is just one thing that seems to be eating up a lot of your time, like I feel it's always best to just go right at it, right? If they're calling you four or five times a day for an update on something that 
let's be honest, like they didn't need an update on, or you could easily send an email, like just have that conversation with them. Let them know that like you can talk if they need updates, try to train your customers in ways that also make your life easier. And I think this is also often overlooked is we think service means doing what is ever asked of us whenever we're asked, no matter what, like that's not just service, right? Service is providing what you said, completing, doing what you put, you know, what you said you were going to do, basically owning up to your word and that's it. I mean, you don't need to answer the phone every time they're calling if they just are asking the same question every 15, 20 minutes. Yep. It's up to you to train them on the habits. Call them back. They're like, hey, I don't mind calling you, but you know what might save us this phone call? What if I send you an update automatically three times a day? Would that help you? Would that be able to like, or ask them, hey, what is it that you need that you're reaching out to me? Maybe there's something specific that you're just not realizing that could be done in a text message or some quick email, right? They, the habits that your customers have can be changed by you over a long enough period of time if you do it correctly. Yep, exactly. Just the same way that they can train you in a way that's more efficient for them, right? It's expectation mm -hmm. management, get ahead of this stuff. Um, the other thing I want to hit on too is if, like, just straight up on the the profitability side, if if you've got customers that are low margin, you've got to really analyze this, and it's up to you to decide what that number is. Um, but here's my benchmark, and this is generic. But if a customer is below a ten percent margin, you have to look at things like how quickly are they paying their bills, right? If they're ten percent margin and they're paying in sixty days, that's not a very good customer. Um, if they're 10% and they're paying in seven days or in two weeks, that's really, really good for your brokerage and for your business overall. And especially if you're a W-2 that gets paid commission when your customer pays, those mm -hmm. are the ones that are really good for you because you're seeing that commission check right away. And especially if you're if you're a brokerage owner, that's affecting your cash flow and your factoring costs and all that stuff. So tremendously. Like, like I said, there's no there's no black and white number on what that is, but you know, there's gonna be 10% margin customers and there's gonna be 25% margin customers. You've gotta have that healthy balance. So, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Any, any, uh, any other discussions on firing slash retraining our customers? Yeah, I just think there's so much to gain from taking the time that you guys have, everyone has kind of this week or through the holidays or even early in January and really looking at last year, right? I know it's easy to just say, oh yeah, I reviewed last year because in my head I thought about what I did and I thought, I mean like literally sit down, take an hour and look at like your weekly and monthly reports from last year. Look at where your customers were, look at when their seasons were, when they peaked, when they weren't and really try to like dig into like what we could or what you could be doing this year that would help free up some more time to get you some more of these customers. Mm -hmm. I got one last thought on this too. Every year, the peak seasons happen around the same time. So don't mm -hmm. be surprised when, if you're in produce, when that spring season pops up, that, oh my goodness, I've got all this work to do. Think ahead, you gotta have that that long range mindset, thinking three to six months out. Christmas will always be December 25th and people will start shopping you mm -hmm. know, one to two months prior to that. So that peak season, it exists every single year. And it, the same thing happens, you know, obviously with produce, it depends on the climate. It could shift by a week or two, um, but it's gonna happen every single year, over and over. So. And if you know, I mean, the peaks are when you're gonna be busy, so plan to do more things in some of the times that maybe your customers aren't super busy. Like, that's probably a good time to plan on maybe hiring that assistant this year, right? 
bringing somebody on from lean and getting them into your organization, do it in the troughs, not once you're already overwhelmed, because guess what? You're also not gonna have time to teach whoever it is you bring on anything about the nuances of your customer, whether they're trained or not. Like it's going to take time. So plan ahead and do that at a time where you're likely to not be overwhelmed and everything's on fire. Love it. Well, you gave me a softball pitch there for our, our lean ad, so I'll get right into it. So if you're, for you. <laughs> as you're looking to, to grow your team and expand your brokerage operation, um, take a look at Lean Solutions Group. We'll have, I promise we'll get Trey on here again to, to talk about their in, incredible growth and success in the last year. But the really, the they do a lot, right? Technology, web development, um, social media, uh, SEO, uh, but really, I think the, the biggest one is going to be their their staffing, right? So the the near shore staffing model with their offices down in South America, they're in just about the same time zone as all of us in the uh, on the eastern half of the United States, right? And these are folks that are trained up in logistics and in brokerage, and you can go through a selection process with them and get them at a, a fraction of the cost that you'd pay for a, a U.S. based employee. And here's the deal: We're, a lot of us are working remote anyway. What's the difference? So check them out at LeanGroup.com. All right, we've got two questions today uh, from our uh, from the audience. So the first one, and we've we've talked to this a whole bunch, but what are the steps to becoming a freight broker? Now, I want to expand this out because I talked to a guy this morning that wanted to get into brokerage, and he was inquiring about our course, and you know, is this the right thing for me, and all that. Um, so if you want to become a licensed broker, there's a couple of easy steps, and it's it's on our check out our YouTube channel for the the breakdown video on that but getting your authority from the FMCSA um, filling out your uh, your process agents form typically using a process agent company and um, getting your your bond in place or a broker trust fund okay those are, and there's a couple little other things but that's that's if you want to do it on your own now if we if the question is well how do I get into brokerage I don't necessarily want to start a brokerage but I want to get into brokerage and the guy I talked to this morning, I told him, based on his situation and what he's desiring to do, I said, the best bet for you is to go find a good established brokerage in your area and go work for them. That's probably the, based on what he was wanting to do and how he wanted to learn, that was the best opportunity for him. And there are over 25,000 licensed brokerages in the United States right now. So they're all around. They're in your community. They're, you may not know they're there, but they are there. And a lot of times they just have the word logistics or transportation in their name. Just do a little, a little Google search on it. But it's a really, really great way to learn the industry. I mean, I, I personally started on the outside side, and that's how I learned freight. Um, but you can go work for a small brokerage or a big box brokerage, or you can go work for an agency, whatever the case might be. Um, and those are the invaluable lessons that you'll learn from someone you'll see someone else's mistakes and success and you're going to learn so much more than just by trying to strike out on your own well here's the other piece yeah the other piece of this too right is the cost and where you are in your life right because when you go to start anything you are not valuable to anybody you're learning you're making mistakes right so not only are you not going to be valuable to your own company. Let's just say you decided you want to get into freight brokerage, you're going to start your own company. So one, you're not going to be creating value for your own business at first. It's going to take time. And during that time, you're also going to need to fund your life, whatever that is, unless you've got enough resources saved for you to be able to live without an income for six months to a year and a half like then the W2 or working with somebody is absolutely the better option because yep. 
it just takes a good six months to really even understand where you are, what you're doing, what's going on in the market. You need to learn from other people. And it's much better to make those mistakes on someone else's dime. I mean. Absolutely. You also might learn that freight brokering is not for you, right? right? And at least you got paid for those six months. You didn't spend all of your savings trying to determine whether a job you don't know anything about is going to be a good fit for you. Think about the big box brokerages out there, right? Hiring class, I mean, I, we've talked this stat before, but a hiring class, uh, I think it's like less than 10%, maybe closer to 5% are, are actually succeeding a year or two down the road. So that goes to show you. Some of them, they either quit because they didn't like it or they got let go because they weren't pr producing or performing at the standard that was expected. Um, so, yeah, not a bad way to get started off. All right, our, our second and last question is, can I source trucks by using social media? Um, you can. I see it all the time. We, on yeah, our, our group, our the Broker and Carriers Network, our page on Facebook, there are people all day long that are um, connecting with dispatchers and carriers and brokers and stuff on there. Um, I will tell you that is a good play for the long-term relationship building. Yes. If you're trying to find a truck to cover a spot load today, um, I think you're better off on the load boards or making some outbound calls. So obviously we're big fans of DAT. Um, you, you can, but I think that you're, the majority of your outcome is going to come from the, the freight marketplaces where the actual players in the industry are hanging out, right? Your brokers and your carriers are hanging out on DAT. Um, not necessarily hanging out on Facebook or LinkedIn trying to find capacity and search for loads. So Here's what I would say is I would say to, almost similar to exactly what you said is if you've got a spot load and you need it covered today, go to DAT. DAT, one of the load boards, that's your highest probability to get it covered. I would say that if you wanted to build relationships for specific lanes you have, not specific loads, and if you've got lanes that you run often or that customer runs consistently down specific lanes, that's where I would go to social media. Like, hey, we run this lane often. This is what we're looking for. You might find a smaller carrier that's looking for that as a backhaul that wants to do it every week, right? That's where I think you've got a much higher chance of success. I agree. I agree 100%. Well, good stuff, man. That's uh, the last episode of 2021 in the books. Put a bow on it. Yeah, put a bow on it. It was a, it was a great, successful year. And again, we are immensely appreciative of all of you out there that continue to, to consume our content, whether you're listening to this podcast, watching us on YouTube, watching our educational videos on YouTube, reading our blogs, reading our newsletter, sending us questions and comments to the website. We appreciate it. We, uh, we really, really do. Because, hey, if you guys weren't there, we wouldn't... We would have no reason to be in front of the microphone, in front of the camera, doing all this good stuff. So thanks. A big thanks to all of you out there. Keep them coming. Make sure you're liking, sharing, throw those reviews in there. Any questions, any content you want us to see us cover next year, we'd be happy to throw it out there. Um, if you haven't yet, make sure you check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, as I pretty much think that's all of where we are now, right? Yeah. We haven't really gotten to the Snapchat world or the TikTok world and... I'll be honest, I'm not even like, I see a lot of this stuff on like Snapchat and TikTok now. I don't even know how people make the content that they're making. I don't even know how to use it. So I don't but. either or have an account, but that's just <laughs> me. <laughs> Makes me feel old. Good stuff, man. Well, the final sign off of 2021, Ben, what do you got? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. 
And until next year, go Bells. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.